Sound of Fire and Soul, a community where leaders gather to unite in sovereignty in today's world. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, a seasoned and heart-centered coach and mentor on a mission to take you on a journey of self-empowerment with weekly guidance and channeled wisdom. Fire and Soul features brave and daring conversations with extraordinary leaders who have awakened from the illusion to help you claim sovereign leadership in life, love, and entrepreneurship. Let's listen, learn, and stand together as models for our new world, starting now. Welcome back to Fire and Soul. I'm really excited to bring my next guest to you. This was a a synchro destiny opportunity. A friend of a friend introduced me to my guest today, Steve Olsher. Super excited to bring him and his expertise and wisdom and talk about all things podcasting and the power of owning your own platform, especially in these times. A brief bio on the man. He's the founder and editor-in-chief of Podcast Magazine, creator of Club Pod on Clubhouse. This is the largest podcast group on all social media platforms. Creator of Pod Expo, original chairman and founder of Liquor.com, online pioneer who launched CompuServe's electronic mall in 1993. You don't seem old enough, Steve. He's a New York Times bestselling author of What Is Your What? Discover the one amazing thing you were born to do. He's a real estate developer, creator of the New Media Summit, host of the number one rated podcast, Reinvention Radio, international keynote speaker, and an in-demand media guest who has appeared on CNN, The Huffington Post, the cover of Founder Magazine, and countless other media outlets, including the Fire and Soul podcast. Welcome to the show, Steve. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's so cool because, you know, I'm just going to share with my listeners We didn't know each other before this, which is what I love about podcasting, you know, and the opportunity to connect in real time and just share what's going on in the world uh, that we live in and how we can merge our communities. And what I'm excited about mostly is you're all about podcasts and our listeners clearly are. And many of my listeners launch a podcast through our program or through others. And so I just like to start with What's lighting you up the most right now in the world of podcasting? There's so many interesting things going on. Uh, I've been podcasting since 2009. So I've seen a lot of things happen over the last dozen or so years. I love seeing the evolution of the space. I love seeing social audio, right, come into its full, really into its own and be part of the, the, part of the conversation, part of the mix here. That's one of the things that really has me excited is seeing a lot of what's going on with Twitter spaces of course, Clubhouse, Fireside, and some of the other apps as well, where, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's live podcasting, right? I think for a long time, as a matter of fact, really, when you come right down to it since inception, podcasting has really been uh, a one-way channel. You put on an episode, they listen to it. You put on an episode, they listen to it. That's really all it's been. So what I'm excited about, really excited about, is that now with, uh, with social audio, again, live podcasting, if we just want to call it that, Fans, community members, tribe folk have uh, have an opportunity to be a part of the conversation. And that to me is super exciting. Well, that for me feels like the old original days of what social media was supposed to be. Now it feels a bit antisocial, especially in today's climate, which we're going to talk about a little bit even more uh, as we go along. But I love that. Right. And it's true. And it's just cultivating a community, which I think more than ever, people want to be a part of like minded, like hearted tribes. How did you get your club on Clubhouse to be the number one place where people are going for all things podcasts? 
Clubhouse is one of those things where as soon as I heard about it, I just felt like there was going to be a pretty huge opportunity there. Again, people want to be, as you said, part of the conversation. They don't want to be alienated. They don't want to just be left on the sidelines. They figure, you know, hey, we've got something to say just as much as, as anyone else, right? So if you're talking about this particular subject, we want to contribute to that conversation. And so Clubhouse came across my radar in uh, December of 2020. And right away, I really felt like it harkened back to the old days of, of talk radio. It kind of felt a little bit like blog talk radio, right? In terms of you've got all these great conversations going on. Well, at the time, there weren't all that many conversations going on, but enough conversations going on where you kind of felt like, well, this is pretty cool. It's like a global radio station. I mean, you go in, you change the channel, you can be a part of this conversation. You change the channel, you can be a part of that conversation. And in some cases, of course, you know, you just sit there and you and you listen. And then in other cases, you say, well, let me raise my hand and let me be a part of this conversation. And then in still other cases, you say, well, you know what, let me start a conversation and get other people coming in and, and being a part of that. So I just right off the bat, I got it. I mean, I've been uh, involved with radio off and on since 1988. So I, I really understand broadcasting. I love broadcasting. And, and to me, it just seemed like a natural evolution of traditional broadcasting in a way that was very timely. Because blog talk radio, I mean, it did okay, but the timing was just a little bit off. And there's a lot of people who are going, what the hell is blog talk radio? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't even waste your time looking at it. It's not even worth our talking about here. But if you know what I'm talking about, then then cool. But Club Pod was really just an offshoot of of that conversation from the standpoint of I felt very strongly that it was called Clubhouse for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so what did that mean to me? Well, what it meant to me as someone who really is able to spot trends, and I've always been able to spot trends throughout my career, it just really felt to me like Clubhouse is going to be putting a lot of focus in the future on driving people towards their their clubs. And so I did whatever I could to really start and launch one of the first clubs on Clubhouse. And because we published Podcast Magazine, and you asked me some of the things that I'm excited about in the world of podcasting, well, obviously, Podcast Magazine should be a part of that yeah. Uh, as well. But given our role with Podcast Magazine and everything that we've done there, I just felt like, you know what, let me start a club that continues the conversation of Podcast Magazine. Let's talk about podcast culture. Let's sit down with leading podcasters. Let's talk about the industry of podcasting, et cetera. And just wanted to create something that was short, that was pithy, that was clearly understandable. And so Club Pod was really born out of that. And because we were one of the first clubs that was focused specifically on the club, the uh, podcasting space on Clubhouse there, I mean, we gained traction really, really early. And it was, uh, it was just a beautiful thing to see. And then now we're over almost 69,000 members uh, that are a part of Club Pod on Clubhouse. Amazing. And the timing, of course, couldn't be more divine, right? I mean, people were home unable to travel. This was December of yes. 2020. And so they were looking for other places outside of Netflix and Apple TV, right? Like, where else can I be with people and connect and dive into something that interests me? Now, where what are you seeing with Clubhouse these days? Because there's a lot of talk. I realize it's still very big, but there's a lot of talk of like, eh, maybe it was a one year and Washington done. Which, exactly. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> there's the sound bite. Well, I'm not going to sit here and say that Clubhouse is completely a flash in the pan, nor has the jury come back with, uh, with their verdict. But I will say that there are a lot of jurors right now who have already written down uh, their findings on a piece of paper and have at least handed it to someone 
and they may be coming back in to report that to the judge here soon enough. Now, all of that to say, believe it or not, I'm actually still quite bullish on Clubhouse. Now, I'm being a little facetious because I didn't send you one way or the other with my verdict there, but I will say that all in all, I think that the best is yet to come. Oh, what's that woman's name who screamed that at the Republican National Convention? I guess I should probably not do that. Do you remember who I'm talking about? It was, it was, uh, it was Trump's girlfriend, whoever that was. Anyway, so <laughs> we'll sit here and just say that the best, I think, is, is yet to come as far as, uh, as far as Clubhouse is concerned. From the standpoint of there are still a very small percentage of people in terms of the population that use Clubhouse on a daily basis. What does that mean? Does that mean it's dying? No, it just means that it's trying to, I mean, like, look, we are witnessing really the, the birth of a brand new industry. And this whole world of social audio, it's, it's a brand new industry. And so when anytime you have a, I've been in technology since 1993. So anytime you have the, a, a new technology come about that is looking to hit the mainstream, you're going to have ebbs, you're going to have flows. And the reality is right now are the numbers down in terms of the room sizes and some of the conversations that used to have a thousand people. Now you got 200 people like are some of the, yes. And there are a lot more clubs. There are a lot more rooms and there are a lot more conversations. So I don't think it's really fair to say clubhouse is dead. What I can certainly say is that there it's much more diversified and it's much more dispersed across the entire platform as opposed to just a select few conversations that had huge numbers. So I I would say give it time. Yeah, you know, this is so interesting. You and I spoke very briefly before I hit record about really where the direction is, not exclusively, but wholeheartedly, let's just say with my intention of Fire and Soul 2.0. And what I love about what you just said is that there's more clubs, there's more conversations, there's more opportunity to get very niche into whatever is lighting someone up the most to want to learn about, to want to be a part of. And so talking about vaccines, vaccine mandates, medical freedom, pro-choice, all those things, those are the rooms that I get invited into for conversations. And they are getting 1,000, 2,000. I was in a room the other day that had over 3,000 people in it just for people to have discourse, which brings me back to why I love podcasting so much. And it seems to be, or social audio, I guess, is the whole, right, as this new industry. And we can start with just even that definition, right? Just to sort of continue the conversation of how do you define a podcast? Let's get back to the conversation about the room you were in and 3,000 people and sort of, you know, where you're going 2.0. But even in in the scope of this conversation, I think it's important for us to even define what a podcast is. So, Michelle, let me ask you that. If you had to fill in the blank, a podcast is blank. How would you define what a podcast is right now? It is for me as a host of a podcast, and then I can share my perspective of what it's like to be a listener to a podcast. This is not going to make Merriam-Webster's, by the way. You're going to have to be much more succinct. With yeah, you, no, exactly. With <laughs> it is, it's like Netio Audio Flicks, uh, Netflix Audio Flicks. That's what I wanted to say. It's like, a, it's a series of first dates. It's like an opportunity to be on the inside of an intimate conversation where you literally can feel like, you, I mean, you got, you know, you're in someone's ear. So you're cultivating a connection and a community of like-minded, like-hearted people who want to be involved in a conversation that matters to them. So yeah. really it really feels like it's an extended conversation that someone might be leading, but you're a part of and contributing to just by giving them your most precious commodity known as time. Mm. Yeah, it's a beautiful definition for sure. And, and I would say to me, a podcast is in its purest definition, audio on demand. 
that yeah. is distributed via and accessible through the internet, right. right? So I would include a traditional evergreen podcast, much like when you release something through Apple or Spotify. So that one way form of communication, right? Where again, you just go to your desired distribution channel, you access it when you want, where you want from your preferred device. So you have the evergreen audio file, if you will, that's available via traditional channels. So that's traditional sort of evergreen audio, if you will. You then have live audio, which is social audio, right? In terms of the, the clubhouses and, and green rooms of the world, fireside, et cetera. And I would actually include um, audiobooks in that conversation as well, because again, it's, it's really audio on demand, albeit it's a pre-recorded set of audio and it's somebody reading through a book, but it is someone who has put forth the spoken word and then you can, can consume that on demand. So to me, I mean, as long as we're talking about this whole subject and we're looking to kind of put it into a box and, and, and have a, a conversation where we're really on the same page, that's one of the things that I would make sure that we, that we look at in terms of uh, defining. And now as you look to really take your, your show to the next level, the 2.0, and then you said you were in a room with three odd thousand people, et cetera, let's, let's talk further uh, around that, just again, so we're all on the same page here. Totally. So you want to know about the room with uh, 3,000 plus people? Yeah. I love it. Okay, guys, we are turning, uh, we're turning the wheels here. Now Steve's interviewing me, but I don't believe in interviews anyway, Steve. Uh, quick segue. Conversation. Don't you feel like it's just a conversation? We don't even teach exactly. interview. Don't come in with all your pre-planned questions. You're going to miss the gold of the moment. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So I love this. I'm here for all of it. Uh, so this room, it was just a couple of weeks ago. I got like three text messages from different friends saying, girl, get on this club right now. Join this room. And it was really not for me because it was really becoming informed about vaccines. And for me, I'd already put in about two, three hundred hours of just getting at least what I needed to make my decision. So it was just a discourse on both sides, which was really beautiful because it was this place of united polarity and an openness and a curiosity for, well, what do you know? What and what maybe could I be looking into? So it just felt very inclusive. And I think that's, and then as I looked at the club members who were in the room, it's extremely, extremely diverse. And, and I loved that too. And, and that was beautiful, right? You just get to see the different faces of the different people in the room. And you're like, this is not an all white room, or this is not an all. And that for me is really important. I live in LA. Uh, diversity is super uh, imperative for me um, as someone who wants to just represent that as well being the white woman. It was just one of the most open conversations, but there are many, many rooms like that. A little rudimentary for me, but a deep appreciation for the purpose. So do you feel like you need that part of your life back? How, how long did you end up spending in that room? About 12 minutes. Oh, that's it. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I, when I heard, it was a rapid fire round of some questions that were coming out from the host, just asking people just to ask their questions. And I, mm -hmm. for me, that's when I was like, this is cool. I'm so happy they're able to do this for one another, but it wasn't what I needed. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, clearly, totally 3,000 plus people did. And then you look at, just to stay on this lane, you look at like a Joe Rogan, who's using his platform to inform as many people as possible. He's completely on one side of this narrative. And I know you yeah. stand for a place that's neutral. And I love that about you, Steve. We talked briefly before I hit record. But I just look at this, at this world and climate that we're living in, in new media, right? All over. It's like there's so much censorship going on. So I love that we can own a platform, whether it's a club, 
uh, or it's a podcast or you started your own magazine, but starting your own thing. What about the people who want to start something, but they're really afraid to start something? I know that you have a lot of thoughts and opinions around that. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it really just boils down to having clarity on who are the people that you're most compelled to serve, right? I mean, I think if you have a a, a real understanding of what it is that you uniquely bring to the table that can be of benefit to those who are even just a couple of steps behind you, right? Like for me, one of my favorite expressions is to a second grader, a fifth grader is a god. And it's like, you know, you don't have to have the, you know, you don't have to be like one of those lettered saviors, right? With the PhD or the MBA or the WTF, or I mean, like whatever those things are, right? (laughs) In order to really just help people avoid a lot of the trial and tribulation and brain damage that you had to endure in order to get to to where you are on your particular journey. And so for those who are, you know, really thinking about, I want to share what I have to say. I want to share my mission. I want to share my message. I want to help people. You really start with the fundamental question of number one, am I doing this because it's just something that I'm fired up about and it's just sort of a passion project and I just particularly, you know, love this this subject. Like for me, I've been training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for almost 20 years now, off and on. That's awesome. Uh, and so, like, it's just a, I, I love talking about Jiu-Jitsu. I love geeking out on different things and love talking to, you know, the, the any, any of the practitioners who are involved in the space. We have great conversations, but I'm not looking to make any money with it. I'm not looking to do anything other than just have interesting conversations, right? So for me, it's just a perfect opportunity to have a passion project, right? Just to be able to to be a part of a community, be a part of a tribe that's into the same sort of things, you know, that I'm that I'm into. And that's one way to to look at sharing your mission, sharing your message, or pro- broadcasting your brilliance, as uh, as we say. And so that's one place to start. And then the other place is, well, maybe this is something I want to make money at. Maybe this is something where I can share my expertise and then invite people to enroll in relevant products, programs, or services, or have a conversation with us about, you know, how we can help. That's okay too. But I think if you just combine the two, which is really number one, just again, understanding what, what is it that you uniquely have to offer to others who are just a few steps behind you so that you can help them get from where they are to where they want to go in a, in a, in a faster, more cost-effective, time-efficient way. Right. And then combine that with, do I want to do that around something that I'm, I'm passionate about in terms of it's just a subject that I love and is near and dear to my heart? Or is it truly a business sort of opportunity where I'm going to use that conversation as a method, as a tool, as a means with which to move people into my ecosystem and then ultimately hopefully shift them into becoming customers and then ultimately loyal sort of borderline fanatic parts of uh, your tribe or community? Yeah, I love that. So let me ask you, with all the different things that you do, what has your heart the most right now? Uh, it's interesting, right? So my wife actually has been uh, a funeral director and embalmer for the last almost dozen years now or so. So she's worked for all the big corporations. She's done that side of the equation, so to speak, to get her, you know, just to kind of get her feet wet and really cut her teeth and develop her expertise around this. And uh, a couple of years ago, we decided, you know, let's do what we can do to actually get uh, her her own place. And so over the last couple of years, we were scouting buildings, trying to find places, and, uh, and we ended up finding a place. Uh, and we've been in construction. And so we're in the process of uh, really running the kind of the final bend on this and, and getting open. Uh, and we will open one of the, the first new mortuary, full, full service mortuary to be built in San Diego 
in the last 60 years. Wow. And so to, uh, to be able to have her fulfill that dream of having her own place and knowing how good she is uh, in terms of the, the, the profession itself and at her craft, but also knowing how big her heart is and just that she really genuinely loves people and wants, you know, and, and wants to help people during one of life's most difficult times and really honor her clients and customers have lost in, in a way that feels good and they can be proud of. You know, it's a, it's a rare opportunity to be able to be with someone during that, uh, that period of time. And, and she's, she's the best of the best. So definitely mm-hmm. something that's very near and dear to me right now and sort of super fired up about. Well, that is really beautiful. I just got a little emotional when you're talking about that. She is one of the angels on the planet, clearly. What's her name? Lena. Wow. And what I love about that question, not the question, the answer is that you took it to be about her purpose, her what, her mission, her passion. All of it came together, which were the two sort of milestones that you were referencing before. But yet that's what's lighting you up the most is her partner in life. How beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, when you come right down to it, it's it's the same kind of equation that we just went through from the standpoint of she lost her parents when she was young. She lost her father when he was, when she was um, in her teens mm-hmm. uh, and she lost her mom when uh, she was in her twenties. Right. Mm-hmm. And so just knowing what that's like and having experienced that firsthand and, and, and really just understanding that it's not always um, an industry where, where the families are much more than a number right. really just got, yeah. I mean, it, it's just something like you can deny what's in your DNA and you can de- deny how you're naturally wired to excel, but it, it's going to come out in one way, shape or form at, at some point uh, in, in your life. Right. And so better to try to honor the the gifts that you've been given and, and better to try to, you know, bring those gifts to, to fruition um, now rather than later. And, and ultimately, you know, one of the things that, I believe is that we all need, and this is part of, um, I've got a book coming out in 2022 called Achieving Quintessence, uh, which is mm. all about the Achieving Quintessence framework. And anyway, part, part of that framework is really challenging yourself. Um, and I believe that as human beings, we, in order to really thrive, in order to be happy, in order to be fulfilled, and you know, there's so many conversations around mental health and just where people are at and the struggles that everyone's having. I think a, a, a part of that, not all of that, but I think a part of that is the fact that we don't not all of us are, are challenged on a daily basis, either on a personal level or on a professional level. And so for me, you know, opening the funeral home with her is a, is a, is a challenge. It's a personal challenge because we'll have an opportunity to work together, which we haven't done before. And it's a professional challenge because I'll have an opportunity to do something in an industry that I've never done before. And there's a lot there to unpack, but just know that Challenging yourself is really a part of the the human dynamic that I think we all really need to to thrive, and that comes in in many different shapes and forms. Totally, I mean, and there isn't there a saying that if you're not growing, you're dying. So, challenge could be another word for growth, and this is what I stand for in life. It's it's growing and expanding and and recognizing and honoring, as you said what really feels good, what really feels natural. And if I could just have a little faith or a little trust in myself to just brick by brick, stack by stack, you know, move forward without, without some arbitrary timeline of when it's supposed to happen or how much it's supposed to, you know, net back to you and what is the exact ROI. 
the destination oftentimes is in the doing. And I mean, that's your jujitsu practice, right? And if we can stay present to the moment, it never gets old. I love that story. I didn't know that we would go there, but it's it's really beautiful. And uh, and what a challenge! Brick and mortar in today's world. <laughs> I could launch. I could, I could launch a funnel in no time flat. <laughs> I mean, because you've been in the digital online space for for decades, right? Yeah, ninety three. We launched a store on CompuServe's electronic mall. So yeah, almost twenty years online now. Yeah, incredible. I wanted uh, just that's to- not that's not right. Almost 30 years online now. Yeah, that's right. That's Hold right on a second. Now. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Going back to your New York Times bestselling book, What Is Your What? I want to talk about how that ties into as well, really honoring who someone is and how do they discover that? You got a book. We'll share the resource in our show notes. But if there was a one, two, three and a quick little, all right, do these few things. I know you've probably yeah. been asked this before, but I haven't heard your answer. Neither have my listeners, I don't think. Yeah, no worries. So actually, it is a one, two, three, because the what is your what <laughs> framework uh, is comprised of three specific pieces. And I developed the what is your what framework from this from from the standpoint of my own personal struggle. I mean, in author land, it's been said that you write the book that you most need. And so yes. for me, I've always had that ongoing question of really, you know, what the hell am I here to do? How am mm-hmm. I naturally wired to excel? What is it that I that I should be doing based on the particular gifts that I've been given, what's in my DNA. And and so after taking the Myers-Briggs and what colors your parachute and strengths finders and you know, all those modalities that can work really, really well, you know, they just really left me with more questions than answers. Mm-hmm. So I figured, you know, there's got to be an easier way here just to try to hit the ground running and get to some answers that are that are that are useful. Like, you know, I mean, it's great to know that you're an INTJFPR WXYZ or whatever you are there, but it's like, what the fuck? You, sorry, what do you do with that? Like, it's like, you know, I mean, like, really, what, what, how does that help me in any real way? So, again, I'm not knocking those modalities. They all work and serve a purpose. But for me, I just needed something that was simpler to be able to get to answers on, um, but also something that was implementable. Mm-hmm. And really, that to me is, is really the mark of of uh, of a of a tool or a modality that really is worthwhile and carries its weight from the standpoint of is it actually useful? Does it have real world utility? Is it actually m- implementable into my life in a way where I can use this and I can do something with this in a simple, fast, easy way? There's a few different ways that we could take this, Michelle. But let me let me just say that I'll start with the what is your framework, and then I'll talk briefly about how you can get started with this and really move yourself forward. But just briefly, the, the what is your what framework is comprised of three specific pieces. Uh, the first piece is understanding your core gift. And so all of us have been given a core gift. Again, that's in our DNA. It reflects how we're naturally wired to excel, what puts fire in our soul, etc. And so you have a gift of perhaps healing, or maybe communicating, or teaching, or enrolling, or protecting, and whatever those gifts are, right? We've got a, a bunch of them in the book. But it's really important to be able to figure out just what that gift is, because your, your gift is something that is a part of you from the day you are born to the day that you die. And so it's really the only piece of the what is your what framework that is static, Right? Because if you're a healer, you're a healer. If you're a teacher, you're a teacher. 
right? If you're a communicator, you're a communicator. All these things are a part of who you are from day one till day the end. And so we can live in denial about what that core gift is. But at the end of the day, it's there. And it's there for you to lean on. It's there for you to, to really help guide you and move you forward in life, literally in a, you know, with the snap of fingers, because it's already an inherent part of who you are. Let me just play devil's advocate Please. for so many of the people that I know, especially uh, we are very deeply mired in the self-development world. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you've used the word gift versus purpose, for example, because I think purpose is a very triggering word for so many people. I don't know my purpose. What's my purpose? I suck because I don't have a purpose. So how would someone uncover their gift? So let me just speak to the the, the conversation around your purpose, because I, I think that all this comes together when you see the other pieces of the puzzle here, because the gift itself is uncovered through an exercise that, I'm, that we wouldn't have time to do, but it's through an exercise called the seven seeds of your soul, which mm. basically gets you to answer seven very simple questions. And at the end of answering those seven questions, you'll, you'll have a fairly good sense of what your core gift is. But as we speak to your purpose or your passion or, you know, whatever it is that you, you want to call it. To me, a lot of that is temporary. A lot of your purpose, a lot of your passion has, to, has to, everything to do with where you are at that particular moment in your life. From the standpoint of the reality is that my friend Brendan Burchard talks about wherever where you, where you are in life and whatever it is that you're doing is usually a reflection of either something new coming into your life or something new coming out of you. And so what, when, you, when you think about it in that way, as you go through life, like let's say you're, you're diagnosed, God forbid, with cancer or something of that nature, a year ago, you never would have known that a year from now, I'm going to be diagnosed with cancer. And then a year from that, you're going to be sitting here thinking about how can I help others avoid a lot of the things that I had to go through while I was you know, afflicted with that. I ended up beating it and here's how I beat it. And now I want it, right? Like you couldn't possibly predict that. So there's no way that could be your passion. There's no way that could be your purpose because it's reflective of a circumstance that came into your life, either again, from internal or from external. So how would you know at 18 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 that this is your purpose, that this is your passion when this hasn't happened yet, right? So I think we put undue pressure on ourselves to try to figure out what it is that you know we're really supposed to be doing. That's so right. if you think about it, your, your gift, again, it's in your DNA. It's a part of who you inherently are. Static. But the second piece of the what is your what framework is the vehicle, the mm-hmm. primary vehicle that you will use to share that gift. That's mm-hmm. more fluid. That's more organic. That can change over time. So let's say hypothetically that your core gift is healing. You're a natural born healer. It's what you do. The primary vehicle that you use to share that gift of healing could be something like, I don't know, Reiki, right? It could be something like massage. Maybe you have your own modality and you heal people, you know, through you wave your finger three times like this and then they're cured. Like, I don't know. I mean, like whatever it is for you. And if I've actually seen that happen. It's called the Shakti Pot. My uh, spiritual coach, uh, Panash Desai, he does this little thing. You fall backwards and you're like, I am awake. (laughs) I didn't even know that was a thing. It's a big deal. And you have to be anointed. That's your core gift to be able to apply Uh, it to that vehicle. Anyway, that's funny. (laughs) There you go. So there, see, that's... That's hilarious. The vehicle for his core gift. Yeah. So that's somebody's gift. Well, that's the vehicle for his gift. Exactly. He's a healer yeah. and he shakes his finger and you're, and you're good. See? Who knew? <laughs> so, so you have those two pieces. You have your core gift. You have the primary vehicle. And the third piece 
of the puzzle then are the people. So it's the gift, the vehicle, and the people. And as you look at the people, the question then really becomes, who are you most compelled to serve? Not who can you serve? Not who should you serve? Who, you know, am I being told to serve? No. Who are you most compelled to serve? And that can change over time too, right? Again, more organic, more fluid that can evolve over time. And so who you are most compelled to serve in your 20s could look nothing at all like the people who you are most compelled to serve in your 50s. And so this is where you, you can do this. And, and again, if we go back to the sort of the practical implementation here, obviously, yes, you want to try to figure out what your gift, your vehicle and your people are. And you can do that without what is your what, perhaps. And, you know, I encourage you just to start thinking about it. But step one is really, do you turn the light switch on? And come to the conclusion of, I actually have a what. I actually have something that reflects how I'm naturally wired to excel, how I'm going to share that gift, and the people who I am most compelled to serve to share that gift with, right? So it's like, is the light switch on or is the light switch off? And I'll tell you that for most of us, just that simple step of turning the light switch on and deciding and choosing to move forward with more conviction, with more purpose, with more intention to say, I really want to be doing what it is that I am meant and made to do, as opposed to just kind of randomly going through life and, and kind of drifting, if you will, and being blown in the wind like a windsock. That in and of itself can be just a, an incredibly powerful first step that, frankly, 99.9% of the world won't ever just turn the switch on. Oh, especially right now. So what I love about the journey that you took us through, and thank you for that, is that's exactly what's happened to me with the reiteration of Fire and Soul. My core gift is teaching, mentoring, and communicating the way in which I do. And then uh, the vehicle has been through my digital course programs, but it was always targeted toward the people that I did feel compelled by, which was how to launch your first digital course, how to start your podcast, how to profit from your podcast, all these things that this past year, as I've been waking up more and more and more to what feels more in alignment with the light switch being on, so to speak, everything began to shift. Those programs will still exist. I just want that will be my primary focus. And so now it's turned into really what I feel uh, compelled to is to help people really understand sovereign leadership, standing for what you believe in and leading with a real mask off point of view, which is, as you, you know, literally. <laughs> literally, yes, totally. And figuratively, yes. But I love that you totally get it. But, you know, no, I mean, listen, I'm going to wear the mask. I mean, there are some rules and I'm just going to it's just not worth it for me. Right. But of course, I get upset about it at times. I know we all do to some, some to some degree. It is what it is. But bottom line is that there's a lot of performing in leadership and there's a lot of pretending that I'm anchored into my what. Right. And that these are the people that I'm here to serve. And we can smell that a mile away, especially as we get more and more connected in these types of spaces where we can pick up on energy. And there's a resonance when someone is coming from something that's authentic and sovereign for themselves, this supreme inner authority or not. You agree? Yeah, I mean, look, my thoughts are very simple on this, which is people can smell bullshit a mile away. And the reality is, especially now, as we've had a chance to go inwards and, and really become much more clear on what's important to us, it becomes that much easier to, to, to be able to just kind of ferret out those 
you know, who are in it for the right reasons and those who are in it for however you would define as the wrong reasons. And I'm not saying that I'm going to define what's right or what's wrong, but you have to make that decision. But ultimately, the, the more that you become clear on what's most important to you, you also become much more clear on who is most important to you. And I think if we've learned anything over the last 16, 18 months, it's becoming much more clear on on who is most important to us. And, and that in of itself leads to much better decisions. I couldn't agree more. So as we wrap this up, I have to ask, who are you compelled to help in this endeavor with uh, your wife? To me, one of the things that we that we really have gotten, by my definition, wrong in terms of the death care industry is really focusing on everything that happens after the person that we that we love so deeply has already departed. Mm-hmm. And so part of uh, what we really want to do, and we're, we're really trying to figure out how to impact this shift, is to help people celebrate those who they love while mm-hmm. they're still with us and can actually leave treasures for us that we would hold so dear Mm. after they're gone, right? Because like right now, like, I mean, I would give, I mean, I would give anything to hear, you know, like my grandfather's voice, you know, and just like to be able to Mm. just hear him talking to me and, you know, and saying what he need, what he needed to say. Yeah. Like that would be of such immense value to me right now. And so like, I know just how much we love those who we love. And it's such a hard time Mm. when that person passes that if we can, I mean, if we can help them in any way, be able to connect on, on a deeper, more meaningful level with them. Like even having these sort of, like part of what we're kicking around is the idea of having like even these sort of conversations, Mm -hmm. right? Where we literally sit down while the person is still, Mm-hmm. of enough mind to be able to have this sort of conversation and memorialize this sort of conversation where the family can come together and sit down and we can facilitate really deep, meaningful conversations mm. between them and mm. capture it in a way through video and through audio and through photography. And so on. like, again, that's what we really want. We really want to serve those who love their loved ones as mm. much as we love ours mm. because there are plenty of families where you know it's just oh that was this and that like we want the people who love each other in such a deep visceral way that when they leave like a piece of them literally dies and so those are the people that we're most compelled to serve are those who love their loved ones as much as we love ours That is so beautiful. Wow. My heart really felt that. Thank you. Can you guys also do something for pets? Potentially. I mean, we have, we have our own dogs and we have a lot of listeners that just are obsessed with their animals, whether they're llamas or dogs. I have a dog and cats. Like as you were sharing that, there were a few people that I know right now might be getting ready to make their transition And I am able to have those really honoring conversations and hear stories about their childhood or about their parents or grandparents that I've never asked. Right. Just and just cherishing it and writing it down and just and they love to share. And it seems interesting to me, the closer they get to their passing, 
the more that they regress back to two, three, four, and five years old. Right. And so it's just been really beautiful. But then I started thinking about my my fur family and I'm like, yeah, let's do that for them. (laughs) (laughs) See, what a beautiful surprise this conversation was. But see, this is really about, for me, what a podcast represents. You asked me, what is my definition of, of course, it's like it's audio on demand, but it's also these delightful resonant surprises that you just had no idea you'd come across and your heart gets struck and you get deepened into a place of maybe what you care about. You get some ideas and some inspiration that you could easily implement. Like we'll definitely leave the link to your book. What is your what? Discover the one amazing thing you were born to do uh, without all the pressure rhetoric, right? If you must do this forever, keeping it fluid and allowing yourself to be as we grow and evolve. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for giving us your time. How best to find you? And is there anything else that you would like to share that I didn't ask you today? Well, thanks for having me. I really do appreciate that. First and foremost, you know, we've talked a lot about what is your what and the what is your what framework. We actually give the whole book away at whatisyourwhat.com. So I mean, it's real simple. Nice. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, look, the, the only other thing that, that I would say is the world at the end of the day is, is really waiting for you. And I would just simply say that it's important to remember that there are people who are literally praying for you to show up in their lives. Mm. And, and, I, and, and no matter how much or how little you think you bring to this world, there is someone who needs to hear exactly what you are uniquely qualified to say in, in, in this exact moment. And so you're, you're not only doing a huge disservice to your, yourself, by not sharing what comes as naturally to you as breathing and what makes you the singular person that you are. But, you know, really, it's it's also depriving those um, who you probably don't even know of your gifts and, and your talents and your singular abilities. And, and the reality is everything that you've experienced uh, in your life is a completely unique perspective, a completely unique subset of experiences that are 100% yours and and yours alone. Mm. And ultimately, the perspective that you bring to the table, no one else brings. And Mm. and I promise you that the world is waiting for you. And we're just all out here with our ears open waiting to hear from you. So Uh, and so it freaking is. I couldn't agree more. I love it. Speaking our love language around here. Where's the best place to uh, to connect with you, Steve? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, just uh, email. My email is always open, steve at steveolsher.com. I'm happy to connect with anyone and everyone. I read my own emails, so feel free to connect. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, giving us your time. Best of of wishes in your beautiful endeavor to uh, bring so much hope and celebration and healing to so many beautiful families in your new book and all the fun things will definitely be following your journey. Looking forward to connecting again sometime soon, Steve. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to Fire and Soul. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. And if you'd like to connect on social, you can find me anywhere at Michelle Sorrow. Or if you'd like to reach out to me directly, you can at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.